DiscerningHearts.com, in cooperation with the Oblates of the Virgin Mary, presents A Sister of St. Therese, Servant of God, Leonie Martin, Bearer of Hope, with Father Timothy Gallagher. Father Gallagher is a member of the Oblates of the Virgin Mary, a religious community dedicated to retreats and spiritual direction according to the spiritual exercises of St. Ignatius of Loyola. He is featured on several series found on the Eternal Word television network. He's also the author of numerous books on the spiritual teachings of St. Ignatius of Loyola and the Venerable Bruno Lanteri, founder of the Oblates of the Virgin Mary, as well as other works focused on aspects of the spiritual life. A Sister of St. Therese, Servant of God, Leone Martin, Bearer of Hope, with Father Timothy Gallagher. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. So at this point, we're in mid-July, and Celie really only has another five weeks or so to live, writing to her sister-in-law, Celine Guerin. Here is Leonie who wants to die in my place. Whatever stirs in the heart of this 14-year-old girl, here is Leonie who wants to die in my place, and she prays for this every day. However, she's beginning to lose heart because she's not getting sick. And then in a letter to Pauline, which is written on the same day. It's like Leonie, who read in Le Semaine Catholique, a Catholic periodical, that a saintly soul had offered her life for the Pope and her prayer had been granted. She hasn't forgotten it. And here she is beginning some novenas to die in my place. Thursday morning, she went to find Marie and said to her, I'm going to die. God has answered me. I feel sick. Now, with reverence, this is another point where Marie misses. Marie. As I said, sometimes is so sharply attuned to what's happening, but sometimes she does miss it, and she does in this time. Marie just laughed, but this mortified Leonie, who was speaking seriously, and she started to cry. A quarter of an hour later, her tears were dry, and with her unpredictable spirit, she had something else in mind. She needed tapestry slippers. I'm not sure what tapestry slippers are. <laughs> Some kind of slippers. I said to her, but since you want to die, it would be a waste of money. She remained silent, perhaps hoping to still have time to wear out her slippers. Perhaps she would have put this in the terms of her sacrifice and would have made them last a good long time, only wearing them on the great feast days. There's, there's the love in this young girl's heart and the, you know, the, the, the clumsy reaching out, but with such sincerity, in a way... These lines that we just read give us an insight into the whole of the life of Leonie. Leonie never had enemies, and she never had enemies because everyone, even if they could get irritated at her foibles, she was slow, she was meticulous to the point that it would exasperate people and so on, but she never had enemies because everybody knew that she had such goodness in her heart. And you see it, you see it right here. You see that clumsiness but you, you reverence it and you respect it. And it hurts a little actually to see that Marie misses it because you know that there's such goodness behind it. Marie is still, she's still young. I mean, she's... She's three years older, so she's 17 at this point. That sounds like something yeah. a 17-year-old would say. Yeah. God bless her. <laughs> now, that's, you know, if we won't certainly do it in these conversations, but if you were to read the correspondence, which is lengthy, 
in later years between Marie and uh, Leonie, you'd see the deep love there between them. Marie became almost like a third mother in a way for Leonie. The death of her aunt, who was so dear to Leonie, the visitation sister, and then the death of her mother, Zelie. And at that point, Marie steps in and kind of takes over, raising her and teaching her and so forth. So there's a very deep bond of love there between them, and it's reciprocal. Now, that is the last of the letters in which Leonie is mentioned in Zelie's correspondence. And this is written just five to six weeks before finally she does die. That's a rather abrupt ending to something as deep and as rich as that correspondence. But the beauty of it is we've seen through Zelie's eyes, we've seen Leonie from the very first months of her life up to her 14th year, really, as we say, the pivotal year in her life. And Leonie would always be convinced that her mother's death and entrance into eternal life and her prayers for her were pivotal in what she calls her conversion that change of heart which takes place at age 14. Now, at this point, after the death of Zelie, uh, the, the, the family has to decide what its new situation is going to be. And uh, Zelie had hoped, and she had expressed this to her sister-in-law, Céline Guerin. So that's Céline Guerin is the wife of her brother Isidore had expressed the hope that if she, Zelie, were to die before her children were fully raised, that Céline, her sister-in-law, would be willing to raise the family. And in fact, we have a letter, we may look at this later on, in which Céline, when um, she received such love in return from the Martin girls, because she became a second mother to them, she just marvels at how she's so loved by them. And she says, she uh, indicates that she knew that Zelie had asked her, wanted her to take up this role after Zelie's death. And she said, especially from when Zelie, shortly before she died, exchanged a long gaze, a long look into the eyes of Celine. And she knew very, she couldn't speak anymore at this point. But Céline understood with great clarity what Zélie was saying. I'm entrusting my children to you as their mother. And because of this, the family moves to Lisieux, which is where the Guerin family lives, because that's where Isidore's pharmacy is, which is how the family actually does get to Lisieux. It was not entirely easy for them. Uh, Louis, who sacrificed, this is the pattern, he give up what was dear to him, for the sake of his family. He gave up his own business in order to help his wife with her business. And now he's well established at Alençon. He has a circle of friends. He has a small little property they called the pavilion from the, the shape of the building, which he loved where he would go just to be quiet and meditate and read a little bit of land around it. And of course, his own mother is still living there. And he gives up all of this to move the family to Lisieux. They find a home there with the help of Isidore. And that's Le Buissonnet, the family home, which is still there today. And the family moves up to Lisieux. Céline Guerin, their aunt, now becomes their mother. Once the family moves to Lisieux, Léonie enters a boarding school run by Benedictine sisters. And they speak of it as the Abbey. 
It was destroyed in the bombardments in World War II, so it's no longer there, but we have photographs of it. This is her third attempt to get some schooling as a live-in boarder, and this time it works. And she spends four years there as a, as a student from age 14 to age 18. She returns on weekends and for the summer vacations. But that's partly why when you read the story of a soul, and Therese speaks of these years after they moved to these years, you don't get too much of a mention of Leonie, much more of Celine and then the older two sisters because Leonie was largely absent. Leonie loved the Benedict boarding school. And they even, the other sisters would tease her about it. There was even some question, apparently, at some point that she might have thought of actually entering, becoming a sister in that order. But she loved it. She had her handicaps because her studies had been so imperfect up until then. She never fully recovered, but she made progress while she was there. And she was happy there. She always stayed in touch with the Abbey in the subsequent years, as long as she lived in these years. And in fact, on a number of her letters, she signs them Child of Mary, which was a group of young girls dedicated to Mary that was hosted right there at the Benedictine School. After she finishes this school, she leaves the Abbey, and Celine and Therese, when uh, Therese is old enough, they also go to the Abbey, but as day boarders. So they would walk to school each day, accompanied by a maid or their father, and be brought back home every day. And Leonie is at home. These are also the years in which Pauline discovers her vocation to the Carmel, and she enters the Carmel. Four years later, Marie also discovers her vocation to the Carmel, and she enters. So we have another five years from age 18 to 23, in which Leonie lives with the family at Les Buissonnets. And these are difficult years in their own way for her. Leonie is no longer violent. That whole quality, from disruptive quality, is no longer there in her. But there's a sadness in Leonie. Her life is going forward for the rest of her sisters. The two oldest discover their vocation, move into religious life. When first Pauline and then Marie leave the home, Leonie would be the next in line, in a sense, to be the mistress of the house in terms of age. She's now the oldest daughter, but there's never any question of Leonie becoming the one in charge. Everyone recognizes that she would not be able to do it. And this goes to her younger sister, Celine, who becomes now the, the woman in charge of the household. And Therese is growing and uh, flourishing. And here is Leonie. And especially in her time, 18 to 23 young women are getting married, making vocational choices. Years are passing, and nothing really is moving in her life. She spends a lot of time alone. We mentioned earlier how her room was even situated at a distance from the other two rooms where the two oldest and the two youngest sisters shared life. She dedicated herself to works of charity. She would assist various people who had need. And she had a very faithful life of prayer. But there's an underlying sadness in her life at this point as she's getting older and nothing seems to be working out for her. From these years, I'll just quote two letters. And now we have Leonie's own letters. So the first of these is Leonie writing to her aunt, Celine Guerin. And so uh, Leonie is 22 years old at this point. And the background is that the Guerin family would 
in the summer would take vacation time. They would rent a house or some apartment on the shore, which was not too far away. We're in Normandy. They would spend the summer there, and various family members would go by turns to spend time there. So her aunt would be there managing the household. At times, her aunt's two daughters, Jean and Marie, would be there. At times, the Martin girls would come and spend some time there. In fact, in the story of a soul, when Therese speaks about the impact of the ocean upon her, this is the setting. Uh, she goes there with the Guerin family and spends some time there with some of them. So here's the background. Leonie is in Lisieux, and her aunt is at, on the shore, on the water there with the family. Dearest aunt, I don't want to let Marie's letter, so this is, we have two Marie's here, so I'm going to guess this is most likely Celine's daughter Marie, her cousin Marie. I don't want to let Marie's letter go without enclosing a note with it. Today I won't have any excuse, and I don't want to let your holiday in the lovely chalet at Deauville go by without showing you my affection. Now the first thing I'd say to note here is what comes to the fore, even in these first lines, is affection. It's the heart. Lovely chalet, without showing you my affection. Yes, kind aunt, I love you. You know I do. And it's just important to Laini to, to say this. And when I remember all the kindness you have shown me, I'm completely at a loss to know how to thank you. I love remembering the four days I spent with you. So uh, probably not much uh, before this, she had spent four days on the sea there with the family. Those conversations that I had several times with my darling aunt, with you, were so sweet for me. You know what they were about. And the editor here just raises a question. Was it about her desire to enter the Benedictine Abbey in Lisieux? That's just a hypothesis. But just, let's just note the vocabulary. Lovely, affection, kind, love, kindness, thank you, love, darling, sweet. Okay, you, you get that heart of gold, the goodness in Leonie. And in fact, all of her letters in the remaining years of her life will always evidence this same trait. Uh, what comes to the fore, she's has a woman's interest in all the family news and all the rest of that in detail. And, but the heart of it all is the desire to express affection. And you see that in this letter here. I can't help but hearken back to what Zelie desired so much to be there present for her daughter, to help her get through all of this. And of course, you know, it seems as though on the surface, the story she did not get what she wanted because she did die. But then again, for the Christian, for us, maybe she did. The belief that her sister had such a strong intercession after her death for the tragic circumstances which caused the breach in the first place to be healed. But now, Zelie, where she is, um, now that she has gone on, maybe can be the mother in an even more powerful way. Maybe she did get the answer to her prayer. It wasn't what she expected, but maybe it wasn't even a grander way for her to be able to help her daughter, because it sure sounds like it. I mean, from that age of 14 and then being able to go into the Benedictines and then to be able to express herself so beautifully, that's all the things she had hoped that she could help her with. And here it was happening. 
Yeah, I think if you look at this with the perspective of faith, I don't think there's any doubt about it. And in fact, uh, when the family first moved to Lisieux, their father had to stay behind in Alençon to take care of a, a lot of things before he could then go and join the daughters. So you had a number of weeks in which the, the daughters were all in the new home at Lisieux and their father was still in Alençon trying to wrap things up as uh, quickly as he could and then to join them. And you have a letter from Marie to her father during that time. And she remarks on the transformation that's taking place in Leonie. And she explicitly says, this has to be our mother's doing. What's happening to her has to be the grace of our, our mother's intercession. And I don't think the family ever had any doubt about that. We've mentioned this before, these pivotal moments of growth in Leonie. She survives the illnesses that could have taken her life in the first months this conversion at 14, and I don't want to anticipate other things that we'll be getting to, but they're always linked to some self-giving on the part or or intercession or self-sacrifice on the part of a family member. And here, it's the sacrifice of her life and the intercession of her mother, Zelie, which the family understands to be very much at the root of the changes that have taken place in Leonie. Again, if you go to the end point of all of this and you ask, were these prayers answered? Not only were they answered, but they were answered with an abundance that no one could have ever foreseen. It would be instructive to do it. We could do it if we wanted to, just to read the titles of the various biographies of Leonie. And in their various ways, like Poverty Transfigured, or From Problem Child to Source of Hope, or the unexpected sanctity of a sister of Therese, and so on, you always get this sense that no one foresaw this. No one saw this coming. And and look what happened. From the way things began in her life, this was, we would not have expected this. Now, her aunt foresaw it, predicted it, and Zaylee firmly hoped for it, and more and more, you know, in the last year of her life. But by and large, people looking at Leonie and her struggles would have never foreseen this happening. And so I'd say if ever prayers were answered, this is certainly about as powerful an illustration as we'll see. This is almost like, in its very different way, the answer that Monica gets when she prays for her son, Augustine. Here, the struggles are not moral struggles. They're developmental struggles in various ways. But the response is just beautiful. I'm praying to that family. (laughs) And too, you know, Father Gallagher, I just have to say that Again, it would be pure speculation, but based on the tone and tenor of Zelie's writings, the instruction in the love, in the conversation that would happen up until the moment of her death, those priceless, beautiful exchanges that only between the two of them and what she must have said to her daughter. I mean, those things are so important. It's so important. And not just for us to know about them, but for us to remember in our own lives the things we say, the things we do, the dispositions that we take. As you said, you could look at the end point as we break open each moment here as we move towards that point. Everything matters in how we approach the ones we love. And I think the incredible message of hope in this is that you have a story here, and um, we're, we're trying to give it without shying away from any of the struggles you know, in it, which I think is the best way to give it, because 
it's a story very much like our own. Who of us cannot relate to desperate prayers from the heart that don't seem answered, struggles in the lives of children that just seem to go on, and then even maybe get worse when something unforeseen happens, like the, the whole issue with the maid and so on. And we struggle and we suffer. But one of the beauties of looking at the lives of the saints, as we've said in other settings, is that you see the end point. Uh, we don't see the end point in our own struggles because we're right in the, in the story right now. But here we do see it. And it's an enormous sense of hope. I'll say again that I think there are few lives of holiness. And we can confidently say that now about Leonie. Her cause of canonization is in Rome. And I'll just say personally, as I've gotten to know her, I, I don't really have much doubt that the cause is going to progress. It would be hard to conjure up a, a, a beginning initial point of greater difficulty than that which Leonie lived. And to see that this story developed in the way that it did and led to what it led to just says to every one of there's not one of us who cannot hope, both for ourselves and our own spiritual journeys and for the people entrusted to us, if we're parents for our children or for friends or people for whom we have any responsibility. This is almost one of the most hopeful stories in modern times, I would say, oh, yeah. in the life of sanctity. This is the most tangible gift, expression of what hope looks like, the hope of a mother. But it's also accomplished, our hope in the cross. When we look at a crucified Christ, we know what the end point is. That's the message for all of us, isn't it? In our own life, our own moments of crucifixion, and we know what our hope is. I think that's why we need the lives of the saints, because they're really... What they are is the gospel in concrete terms. So everything that uh, we see in the lives of the saints, you can find in the word of God. But you see it exemplified, you know, brought home and made concrete in a way that is very enlightening and encouraging for us. I think one of the best things we can do in the spiritual life is to always be reading or listening or whatever, viewing something from the life or writings of a writing of a saint. It's very, very encouraging. I have this experience often. I mentioned, you know, the last few years, I've obviously spent a lot of time with Therese and Celie and Leonie and other members of the family. You go to your day differently. Your values are reset in the way that they need to be. You see what's important. And sometimes as you're reading these things, you wake up to the fact that, oh, that got out of focus in my life. And now it comes back into focus in a way that's very strengthening. So I think, personally, I think one of the best things we can do is to stay close to the saints. Well, uh, she continues in this letter, I must also tell you that your big girl will be turning 22 years old next Wednesday. I hope, kind aunt, that you won't forget me in your prayers to God so that he may complete the work he has begun in me. You will kindly tell my dear little cousins, so that's Jean and Marie, the two, Celine's two daughters, that I send them kisses and that I love them dearly. Again, this is the whole message of this. Thus far, she hasn't really given much news of any kind. Basically, what she wants to say is, I love you, and I just want you to know that, you know. Please tell Marie that it was dear little Celine 
this Celine is a first cousin of Marie and Jean. And she was also a playmate with Therese uh, when they grew up. And we have some letters of Therese to this Celine, uh, who took the collection today along with the second communicant who was so kind. So this was that what they call that solemn communion uh, a year after the first communion. I can't prolong my letter any longer. I would be afraid of being late for Vespers, which is interesting. So it's obviously a regular practice for her to, to go to church for the uh, singing of Vespers, which just gives a little insight into the way Leonie is living at this point. I'm sorry to leave you, but I console myself by thinking that soon you will come back. Vacation will be over. You'll be back here with us and never leave us again. I hope so. When you see the Miss Pigeons, these, this is two sisters. They were elderly ladies, good friends of both families, the Martins and the Gerains. Be kind enough to present them with my respect and to tell Miss Josephine that I sincerely hope she leaves her headaches at the seaside. Your little niece who loves you very dearly, Leonie. And here's one of the letters where she signs Child of Mary. These you, 31st of May, 1885. And we'll take one more letter from this same period. And this is a year later. So Leonie is 23 now, and the setting is the same. The Gerand family is by the shore, and uh, she's writing to her aunt. Actually, I'm glad that we're focusing on the aunt for a moment, because Céline Gerand, her aunt, is a lovely person. She's part of this whole story. And when you read her letters and get to know her, you really warm up to her as well. She is warm, affectionate, and you can see why the Martin girls grew to love her so much because she was everything that was sweetness and goodness and love for them. Woman of faith. Dearest aunt, if you only knew how touched I was when I read in Marie's letter that you would have written to me if you hadn't been afraid of your letter being too heavy. I won't hear it said that it is your turn to write. I would be ashamed of it. I am very happy to have an opportunity to talk a few moments with my kind aunt. So again, everything is on the heart here. It's tomorrow that the family is celebrating Mr. Monsieur Fournay's feast day. So this is her aunt's father. As my uncle, Isidore, forgot to write to you about it, he asked Marie, his daughter, to do it. But she hasn't the time because she must go to the market. So that's why I'm taking her place, and I do so with pleasure. We often go to see my uncle, so this is at the pharmacy, who hasn't time to be bored, for he is overwhelmed with work. He has even asked Marie to go and help him next week with the bills, so to help him get through paying them and probably accounting and so on. And this next is really just, again, another window into Leonie's heart. If I could, I'd be happy to help my kind uncle, but I'm not intelligent enough for that. So she just knows that uh, she's not capable of this. She never was much good at math. In those turbulent years when they had her at school, she just wasn't capable. And so they say she just put down any number just to put something on the paper. So she was never really very capable. But that's one reason why I chose this letter, because you get these little insights into how this woman of 23 years old sees herself. Marie, her cousin, is 17, so she's six years younger. And Leonie recognizes and even says it in the letter that I wouldn't be able to do it. I'm not intelligent enough. So Leonie is sidelined here, as happened so often in her life. In fact, 
It's at the same time when Leonie is 23, Therese is 10 years younger. So Therese is 13, and Leonie very humbly asks Therese to help her with her French. And Therese, with that sensitivity, which always was characteristic of her, teaches her sister how to write and manage her French. He will go and see you on Tuesday, that is Isidore, or Wednesday with Marie, who is looking forward to it immensely. It will be me next time, so that my turn will come next. What bliss it is to spend a day with you. I don't know if Leonie means writing the letter, because I'll often say that in these letters, that it's such a wonderful thing to spend time with you, and by that they mean the time they're spending writing, or perhaps to go actually and spend a day there. I heard that my dear little Marie, whose health was always fragile, that my dear little Marie has been much better since she's been at the seaside. Tell her that I want her to leave her illness in Trueville. That's where Therese was at the sea when she went there, when she leaves for Lisieux. Tell her and my dear little Jean that I'm thinking of them and that I love them very much. And you, my dear aunt, I hope you are well. You mustn't make yourself tired like last year. You must make the most of the good sea air. I hope you have lots of pleasure, fine weather, and yet not too much heat because you would suffer from it too much. It's very annoying that you are missing the lovely feast of the Blessed Sacrament, Corpus Christi. It will seem funny tomorrow not seeing you and not being with you in the procession. I would very much like the month of July to be over so as to see you back among us, for Lisieux is very sad when you're not here. However, what makes me accept your absence patiently is the thought that I will go and see you. It is in this hope that I leave you and send you my heartfelt kisses, looking forward to the happy day that I will spend with you. So it does sound like she was going to go for a date to visit your niece who loves you with all your heart. So that's Leonie during these years that she spends with the family at Les Buissonnets when Others' lives are moving forward, and hers seems to remain somewhat in the same place. And now something will happen that will surprise the family, but that's our, that's our next piece. We'll come back to that. Well, once again, you left us with a beautiful cliffhanger, Father Gallagher, and I look forward to our next conversation. As I do also. You've been listening to A Sister of St. Therese, Servant of God, Leone Martin, Bearer of Hope, with Father Timothy Gallagher. To hear and or to download this episode, along with hundreds of other spiritual formation programs, visit discerninghearts.com, or you can find it on the Discerning Hearts free app. This has been a production of Discerning Hearts in cooperation with the Oblates of the Virgin Mary. We hope that if this has been helpful for you, that you will first pray for our mission. And if you feel us worthy, consider a charitable donation, which is fully tax-deductible, to help support our efforts. But most of all, we hope that you will tell a friend about DiscerningHearts.com and join us next time for A Sister of St. Therese, Servant of God, Leonie Martin, Bearer of Hope, with Father Timothy Gallagher.